1: Empire.
0: Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today, another bonus podcast, but this time it's not about draft day memories. I'll have some more of those in coming weeks, but it's on a possible left tackle for Washington 19 and also some insight on the newest Washington tight end. So I have Michael Nislik from Roanoke.com and who also writes for the Richmond Times Dispatch to discuss Virginia Tech left tackle Christian Darasol. Michael covers the Hokies and has written a really good series on Derisaw leading up to the draft. And I have former Washington tight end Logan Paulson on to discuss Samus Reyes, who was a basketball player in college but signed with Washington Tuesday as he will attempt to make the transition from basketball to NFL tight end. Logan has worked with him, so he has some really good insight. It's a quick podcast, so stick around. Don't forget you can read my work on ESPN.com. Lots of draft stuff on our site now, and I'll be going over some possible scenarios for Washington in terms of trading up or whatever on Thursday. Also, you'll want to listen to the next podcast after this one when I'm joined by Safety Cam Curl. Really enjoyed my chat with him. Anyway, I'll drop some more nuggets in the next podcast. For now, let's get to former Washington tight end Logan Paulson talking about Samus Reyes. He made one hell of a player comp for Reyes. Don't forget you can follow Paulson on Instagram at logan underscore Paulson82. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment.
1: That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so
2: many more doors. The show
1: is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to
0: The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So Logan, I didn't think we'd be sitting here talking about a Chilean tight end today, but they went out and signed the Samus Reyes. You know him, you worked out with him. What is Washington getting here?
2: So I think the first thing you get is you get that basketball kind of athleticism. And, I, you know, one of the things that always makes you cautious about a tight end uh, or a guy converting from basketball uh, is the lack of physicality. You know, in my experience, most basketball players tend to be a slider build. They have a hard time keeping on weight. And that's not Sammy's problem. He is a big dude. He's 6'6", six, 6'6 six, six, six and a half. And he carries 260 like a smaller man. Like he's big. He's got big old wrists. He can add a ton of weight. You shake his hand, and it kind of the hand goes up your arm, kind of thing. You know, it's like you're shaking a baseball mitt. And so immediately he kind of passes the eye test right away, and you kind of say, "Oh, like let's see how this guy moves." And you see him run. He's got a little stiffness in his upper back. I think that's probably because he's not used to the movements. But he can run. He can jump. He's got great strength in his arms and his legs. He's got a big, thick lower half. And you kind of say to yourself, "Those are the things." Physically, they're just checking boxes one after another. And I remember when I first met him, I said, you know, you can tell me all the numbers. You can say you're going to run fast. And then he ended up going out and running really fast at Miami's Pro Day. You know, 4'6", he had a 40-inch vertical, which shows those explosive characteristics. Like I mentioned, big wingspan, tall guy. And you kind of say to yourself, who does he remind you of? And he reminds me a ton. I'm not even exaggerating here of Jimmy Graham, a ton yeah. of Jimmy Graham. And I think he's a little bit of a better athlete, which is going to sound crazy. Now it just is about, now it comes down to how they utilize him. Like, can he pick up the game quick enough? Cause again, he played basketball. He's from Chile. It's part of their culture, the same way it is here in the United States, but he is an econ major. And so the second you have a conversation with him, you realize this guy is a, an extremely smart dude. He's extremely driven. He's learned multiple languages. Like he has this background in kind of academia that makes me believe he'll be able to learn whatever kind of information is presented to him. And so, you know, we were talking about this the other day with the tight ends. And if there was anybody that excited me I didn't bring him up at the time because I didn't know what his status was with his pro day. But he was the guy, honestly, that I was most excited about, right? Really? Because one of the guys, because I think we're talking about projects, right? We're talking about converting wide receivers. We're talking about guys from small schools. And if you want a guy that is just checks every single physical box, physical box for the position, and has a good head on his shoulders and is motivated, a motivated professional because he's got some entrepreneurial kind of background as well you kind of say to yourself, this guy is really worth taking a flyer on. And especially in a position group and room where Logan Thomas has made this transition relatively recently and kind of has the experience of saying, hey, I didn't play tight end, but these are some things that kind of bring a guy along. And obviously the coaching staff there understands how to get the most out of their players, which is really exciting.
0: So what will be one or two of the things from a physical standpoint, you talk about like some of the things that because he hasn't played, I think he had, practice for one week in high school what are some of the little things he's going to have to get used to that we can see maybe a progression as we go through the summer to how he's adapting it but what are some of the little things you'll have to get used to that will tell you he can do it or not
2: yeah so I think the big thing with any kind of basketball player making the transition um, even when Darren Waller for example made the transition to tight end um, is the physicality of the position right and so you turn on the basketball tape you say oh well he He's boxing out. He's aggressive to the basket. He likes to dunk on people. He's got this kind of attacking mentality, which is good. But football is a totally different animal, right? And you can run around all you want in underwear and, and kind of make yourself look good. But you have to be able to execute at a high level um, when it comes down to that physical element and those physical aspects. And then kind of that's one. And then 1A or you know, 1B would probably be just the mental aspect. And I talked about already how I think he's got the right makeup mentally to kind of make that transition really nicely. But um, you never know until you get there. Do you get them on the field and you have to kind of make those split second decisions and kind of rely on their reactions and their natural athleticism. So those would be the two things for me. And again, this would be the third kind of thing I think that's going to be really important is how does the staff use him? Do they use him? like a Greg Olson kind of guy where that is going to be much easier because you're just running routes. Basically, you're not kind of in the line. You're not having to learn that martial art of blocking with the same technical proficiency. And I think all those three factors are something that I would be really keeping an eye on because I think, you know, like I, I thought about this on the car ride. And um, so I got signed and I thought, well, this is such a great thing because he he has everything you want at the position, you know, like Thaddeus Moss, who everyone knows and just got released. Like he was a good football player in college, but he didn't have anything that made you go, Wow! Mm-hmm. And everything about Sam East makes you go physically and mentally makes you go wow. And I think that's something when you talk about a project at the position that has to get you super excited and a great, and we talked about compliment to Logan Thomas. I think he gives you that in spades. So
0: very good. Logan, appreciate the time, to- the time, and the insight because I, you know, I don't want to spend a great deal of time on him because. At the end of the day, he's still a project, but right. I do think he's going to be an intriguing guy to watch this summer. So thanks a lot for joining me.
2: Yeah, no problem. Man. Thanks for having me.
0: After this break, I'll be back with Michael Nislik to talk about Christian Derisol. You can follow Michael on Twitter at Michael Niselik, Michael N-I-Z-I-O-L-E-K. And you can read his work on roanoke.com and the Richmond Times He wrote, like I said, he wrote a series of articles on Darisol leading into the draft and his preparation. So he has some, Michael has some really good insight into Derrissaw as a player. Hello, it's Tyler Roman, former NFL scout and host of the Roman on the League podcast. Every week, I update my mock draft that not only looks at the best players available, but the needs for all first round teams. The draft board keeps changing with all the movement this year. So tune into my show, Roman Around the League. That's R-O-M-A-N, Around the League Podcast. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast, and check out all of the great shows from Empire Media. All right, Mike, well, you, you wrote a three-part, it was a three-part series on Christian Derisov for the Roanoke, Roanoke.com papers. You can also check it out on the Richmond Times Dispatch um, website as well. So I'm curious, because he's a guy of interest here in Washington, what did you learn about him throughout writing that series?
1: Well, I mean, Christian, you know, it's funny. He's a guy that came, you know, had no, you know, started out with two stars and no offers, you know, and so uh, worked his way up. Uh, it would stop at Fork Union before getting to Virginia Tech and, um, you know, it was really done. His starter day one for Virginia Tech uh, and started for three years, um, played through injuries, you know, it had a, Foot injury for his freshman year, uh, groin injury last year. Really tough kid. Um, just any you know anything that they asked him to do, he did. Only missed two games in his career. Um, just a just a terrific all around player for Virginia Tech. Um, uh, you know during his his tenure. So
0: how did he go from being a guy with two star to this point? Because that is quite a journey that not many people make
1: yeah you know, just overlooked really. Um, you, you know he um, didn't he just had a couple the Division two, I think offers at, at the time, and Virginia Tech offered him uh, was the first team to kind of kind of lock in on him. And um, after that, you know, fork Union he started to get a little bit of interest there. you know, teams kind of were checking in. Um, but since Virginia Tech had showed that sort of interest and loyalty and um, he kind of he kind of stuck it out. Uh, he was just kind of a diamond in the rough. You know, they they found him and, uh, you know, uh, Virginia Tech coaches say when they saw him do drills, you know, when they had to work out at a camp, they kind of knew, um, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the credit goes to uh, Holman Wiggins, who is now yeah. Alabama's wide receivers coach. He's the coach that actually discovered Christian um, and, and pushed uh, Vance Weiss and Justin Fuente to take a look at him. Um, and that's how they kind of landed him. And so um yeah just was was that talented really and just kind of got overlooked and then throughout the draft process
0: what have you seen you know because people the word I always hear with him is growth you know as a player and whatever so at Virginia Tech where was the biggest area of growth or was he just
1: pretty good from the beginning it was pretty good from the beginning I think this year um from you know 2019 to 2020 uh he took a really big leap um, you know, Pro Football Focus was really all all in on him this year. Uh, you know, he had, was the, one of the highest-rated linemen uh, in the country. I think you saw his uh, run blocking get a lot better. Um, he was always, you know, pretty pretty clean in the pass protection, um, but just really all around this year. Um, you know, one thing I've heard, um, from, from his camp and from Vance Weiss is that you know, sometimes it didn't look like he was trying because it was just it came easy to him, you I know, mean, everything was so so easy, and so teams were just concerned, you know, want to to push him a little bit, which they did at his pro day. Um, but yeah, everything's kind of come easy for him. I mean, he's just he's just a, a smart kid. Um, you know, uh, Vance Weiss always says first in, you know, the 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 meeting room and things like that, and was always just dedicated and locked into football um, and, and just really kind of continued to study steadily improve uh, his game. And then as
0: a run blocker too, because
1: you saw some of that this year too. the
0: finishing ability, Um, did that become a bigger thing for him this past year, just finishing even with maybe more consistency, a stronger level? What, 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 how do you, what do you think about that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that was kind of his focus just to, to kind of, like I said, going into the season, I think he heard some criticism, you know, uh, you know, Vance Weiss talked to offensive line coaches kind of, you know, um, in the NFL and, and scouts to kind of get feedback on what he needed to do. And that's what they some of the things they wanted to see in that in that run blocking and show a little more intensity. And, and that's what he did. Um, you know, I think you saw a lot of stuff downfield uh, with Cleo Herbert. A lot of those highlights you saw Christian yeah. Darsa opening the, yes. yeah. the path for him. Um, And it helped that they had a a running back that could do that this year. Um, So I I think it was kind of a combination and he he certainly took advantage of that to to show that that's part of his game where he can get to that second level um, and and really, you know, um, knock people off, (laughs) off their butt. Yeah.
0: And that, that you did, you're right. That those are the highlights that you saw. And it's like, well, I remember seeing some of those and that, it opened your eyes a little bit because I know you have coaches like that kind of stuff as a pass protector you know, one of the things I've heard from some NFL teams or scouts or whatever is that, you know, with Virginia Tech's offense is not a high-level passing attack, right? So, you know, was he in position? It was not the traditional. It's not what you're going to see in the NFL as far as the style and all that. So as a pass return, there were sometimes I think they had some issues. But overall, how would you rate him there? And what were some of the things that you felt like this is where he's probably going to have to improve here?
1: Well, you know, just talking to, to- – um, people that have worked with him, you know, he has the intangibles. You know, he, he 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 can bend. He has heavy hands. You know, that's one of the things that all, all of his weight coaches talked about, hmm. or people worked with. His hands are just really heavy. So. Um, he has those kind of things that you, the, the makeup of a, a good pass protector, you know, I know they didn't, Virginia Tech didn't leave him on an island very much. So, you know, he had protection and he had a pretty good, you know, group there up front, too. So, um, you know, I, I can understand that, that maybe they discount some of what, what he did in the passing game. But I don't think he's going to have any problem. You know, they tested uh, they were looking at his flexibility on on pro day and. Um, you know, he can move, I think, too. You know, he didn't get to run the 40 because he was recovering from that groin injury still a little bit. Um, but, I mean, he can he can move. So I don't think he's going to have problems adjusting to the, the NFL, you know, the speed of the game and in, in the pass protection. You know And one thing in the ACC, I mean, he played, played a series of very good pass rushers the last three years um, and hadn't held his own. You know, I th- he didn't allow a sack this year um maybe two last year or something like that you know so um you know I I know that Virginia Tech's passing game doesn't kind of translate well to the next level but I mean he played some really good players and and never had a problem
0: very good and what about him as a person because I'm sure you got to know him a lot better just because the series you're doing what
1: about him as a person what do people here need to know about him uh quiet kid (laughs) very quiet um uh, fit in well at Fork Union. It's a military kind of school, and you get you know just you know you get punished and penalties for doing things wrong. Never had a problem. Just you know <laughs> adapted well. Um, you know his main interest is football. You know I, I know he loves Madden and, and playing video games, but doesn't you know have a lot right now outside that kind of takes his focus away from the game. Um, you know he's really excited, and I think this has been a, a dream of his. Obviously, like a lot of kids, but he's worked towards this and, and um, I, he's just very dedicated to, to, to making this, you know, his profession and his career. So, um, and I think that's anybody you talk to will say, you know, he's quiet and uh, loves football. You know, Vance Vice, Scout asked him like, what does he like to do? And, and Vance was like, I don't know. I've never seen him do anything other <laughs> than football. You know, it's like, hey, that's all I know of, you know, it's, that's what he does. So um, I'm sure he'll probably buy like a PS5 or, or new Xbox, but, other than that, you know, he's he's all in uh, on football.
0: And it's funny because, I mean, coaches like to hear that. So yeah. they, they they really like to hear that. I think they get concerned if a guy has too many interests sometimes. So last thing here, what, do you have a feel for either what, you know, as far as like teams looking at him or area round? I mean, I think most of the time he's projecting that middle round type area, but did you get a different – do you get a feel for anything, how the draft process was going just, you know, in terms of what others were thinking and what they were hearing?
1: Yeah, I wrote about that um, for, for this latest part where it's like 13 to 20 is where you kind of see all the projections. There's that big group of teams, Washington, Chicago, Las Vegas, um, uh, Minnesota, that all have picks in that range and all have needs a tackle. Um, I think the, the prevailing thought from his camp is that they're confident in the first round projection. They're not sure when the run on offensive tackle starts. So does it start later or does it start earlier? And one thing that uh, his agent pointed out to me was that, you know, with Carolina um, now kind of probably not going to take a quarterback, that they right. could take a tackle there. And that's, a, you know, another spot where maybe he moves up a little now, you know, because if if both tackles are gone, you know, uh, uh, Panay, the kid from Oregon and uh, Northwestern, the, the tackle from there, those are the two kind of above Christian. Uh, but if they're gone early, and then Christian's the next one up. And so yep. it depends where I think – you know that falls and so I mean there's been a lot of movement already uh you know before the draft and so if that happens you know more on draft day does he move up or is the focus on another position where the offensive tackles move back a little but I don't know if he gets past 20 just with the team you know amount of teams right in that range that that have that need yeah I don't think he does either Mike
0: thank you for coming on to let people know where they can follow you and read your stuff
1: yeah, at Michael Nyslick uh, on Twitter and um, Roanoke.com. We have uh, the uh, the series that's been running, and we'll have another part, obviously. I'm going to be with Christian on uh, on draft night, um, following his kind of reaction and seeing how things go. So we'll, we'll see if he ends up at Washington or, or, or somewhere else.
0: There you go. And and if you're a big Virginia Tech fan, you can follow a lot more than Christian Derrissaw. So there you go. Mike, thanks a lot. Thanks, John.
2: What's up? It's Mike Jones
1: from the Football Jones Podcast. I know you're enjoying your time with the John Keim Report, but once you're done, I want to invite you to come over and check out my podcast. Each week, we take a deep dive into some of the most pressing topics around the NFL. High-profile guests from the coach, player, and front office ranks, as well as the top league insiders. Check out the Football Jones Podcast, another fine product brought to you by Empire Media. Empire Media.
0: That's it for this episode. Thanks to Michael Logan for joining me. And thank you, as always, for listening. I'll be back Thursday with Washington Safety Cam Curl. Talk to you next time.